As we are getting back to school and back into fall schedules and all of that, we might be thinking about what it means to be around other people. Now, it's fun to be around other people. We are made and built for connections and relationships and to be in community. But like siblings who argue, anytime we are around other people, we are going to bump into differences, disagreements, and miscommunication. Each one of us can get irritated and tired of even our absolute favorite people. Is anyone married? <laughs> the reality of common life is conflict, and the ability to deal with any sort of strife is immeasurable. Being around other human beings, whether it's your day job or your true romance or that dreaded infamous school group project, means that some at some point, maybe sooner than later, we are going to have issues. And this is also true in the life of the church, where those issues might be magnified. We're going to have different ideas and opinions, and we may also cause real harm to one another. Our ability for repair determines the health of our connections. Father Richard Rohr notes just how foundational this is. He says that how you relate and the quality of your relationships is who you are. Note that he says quality, not quantity. Relationships are built on trust and vulnerability and honesty and requires us to deal with conflicts in ways that are healthy and healing. We'll be working through the Gospel of Matthew this fall, pondering the words and wisdom of Jesus, words to us that sometimes sound, frankly, like nonsense. What was that binding and loosing business in the Gospel reading anyway? And so today we are not thinking about miracles, we're not walking on water or feeding the 5,000 or healing someone with leprosy. We are dealing with the much more mundane tasks of ordering life. Now, for a pastor or anyone on a church staff reading this passage and hearing about a member of the church sinning against you, we go, oh yes, that's Mrs. Pumpernickel, that lady who insists on singing Battle Hymn of the Republic every single Sunday, that lady who wonders and fusses at people who come on Easter Sunday and sit in her seat. The lady who wants to know why we don't still have paper newsletters and when did people start wearing jeans to church? Yes, Mrs. Pumpernickel is fictional. Any resemblance to real persons living or dead is purely coincidental, but we all know her and we all are her sometimes. Conflict is inevitable. Just change the color of the carpet in the sanctuary and sit back and wait. <laughs> we all have different ideas about how to do things and how to do life together and how to organize ourselves and make decisions, and this is true for any household or organization. This is not limited to conflict in the church. 
This passage asks us questions, though. What does it mean to be together? What does it mean to be a community? And what happens when we don't like each other? And even more seriously, what happens when we sin against each other, which is much more damaging and harmful than a simple disagreement? When someone has harmed you, Jesus says, do you storm out? Do you shout? Do you throw things? Instead, he outlines healthy guidelines for how to deal with this. If you have an issue with someone, Jesus says, go to them directly. Don't talk about them behind their backs. Don't gossip or triangulate, even though that's tempting. Also, don't let it fester. Don't just sweep it under the rug or try to ignore it, but actually address the issue head on with the offender and do so privately. There's no need to publicly shame someone for the harm they have caused. And hopefully, you can go back to being friends or siblings or family. This is good and solid advice. But what if that person doesn't listen? What if that person doesn't see a problem or doesn't agree that they have caused you harm in any sort of way? Jesus says, then you go back with a few more people. You take along some witnesses or some mediators or someone to intervene outside neutral parties. And if that doesn't work, Jesus says, then you take it to the church. Now, here's where we might pause for a moment because we are not all that interested in mediating disputes as a whole church body. If your Sunday school is having an argument, if the choir had a disagreement this morning, we don't all need to hear about it, right? And no, we also don't want to hear all of your personal problems. I've had folks want to hold a church meeting to discuss the details of their divorce, and I had to say, no, that is not, that is not what we're here for. When the gospel writer uses the term church, it doesn't necessarily mean the place where we gather on a Sunday morning. It doesn't mean the whole denomination or the whole church universal. It means even more than a faith community. And Jesus explains it. He breaks it down when he then says, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I am there with them. Even the smallest relational unit, two people, even among two people, we find that God is present. So this is not about church exclusively. This is about community. How do we live in bonded groups, even in small groups and pairs? How do we live in relationship to others? How do we live in respect to our neighbors? How do we live mindful of this great web of interconnectedness? And note, too, this is not about punishing people who have sinned or done wrong or caused harm, but about restoring relationships, bringing people back into community. This is not easy, and it's not always possible, but it is the goal. So how does this sound in the context of our criminal justice system? How does this sound with regards to disciplinary actions in our schools? How does this sound with regards to these cries for unity, though, that are false unity, that are things like, can't we just get along? We, you know, we'd be fine if we just didn't talk about racism. Let's just ignore our differences at the expense of celebrating what makes us unique. 
Let's ignore all of our disagreements and not just talk about it, and certainly not expand our understanding or sense of compassion. As we gather in ways that are good and loving and full of trust, Christ is present with us. In this gathering, in this worship service, and in our homes, in each of our relationships. Previously in the gospel, and you may remember this from a few weeks ago, Jesus had told Peter when he said, you are the rock upon which I will build my church. He had also said that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosened in heaven. And those words are repeated now again, and they're not just for Peter or the leaders of the church, but to everyone who is listening, to all of us, to you. You have the power to bind one another up by your unforgiveness. You also have the power to release one another by this mystery of forgiveness, this universal gift to people who are of love. We can bind up our family and our neighborhood by criticism and negativity, or we can free all of those around us by forgiveness and understanding. This is true for the serious offenders in our communities or for the milder crimes of Mrs. Pumpernickel. And may we be mindful of how we show up in community, how we communicate and understand how we order our lives together, lives of forgiveness and understanding, lives of love and mercy on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.